but what we are talking about today is excuses. All right, that's where we're at in this passage in, in Moses. And uh, man, we're good at excuses, aren't we? And I wonder, as I was preparing this week and looking at excuses of Moses and all that, I kind of wondered how many uh, excuses that we throw up to God every single day, right? How many are we just constantly pushing back and forth to Him? Sure, I've got, I've got a lot of great ideas about what I should be doing, uh, but I've got a lot of excuses when it comes down to the cost and the sacrifice that it's really making in me. I've got some decisions to make through that. Um, also, uh, man, we, we, we can either garner a lot of allies that will support even and feed into our excuses, right? To make us believe that we're doing the right thing. We've got a lot of people that could do that in our life. Uh, um, and excuses, um, they're, just, they're, just, they're just not good. That, that's the thing. There's no excuse for excuses. And we're in this passage today uh, where, where Moses is continually giving these excuses to God. And we're going to see this response of, of Moses and God in this conversation. And ultimately, uh, where we'll go today... And the bottom line is what we'll see is that, that we've been equipped, we've not been excused, all right? And that we lay down uh, these excuses at the feet of Jesus today, things that we walk in with um, every day, that we're going to lay those things down. So we're in the conversation with, uh, with, with Moses, in, started this in three, this conversation back and forth with Moses and God. It is a hot conversation, literally, they're talking beside a burning bush that is not consumed, it's on fire, but it's not consumed. So this dialogue starts, and here's how this thing goes down. Moses is drifting, wandering, leading sheep um, in the wilderness, comes to Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, and then God calls out to Moses. That's how God starts every calling of every process, salvation, whatever. He calls out. He initiates. He initiates. Moses pulls him in, draws him close. Moses responds, and he tells Moses, You are going to be my messenger. I'm commissioning you out, sending you to Egypt to rescue my people from slavery, from Pharaoh, uh, to lead them to the promised land. And I'm commissioning to you. So Moses hears, he responds, and he starts a line of questioning, right? He's got two questions that he comes out of the gate with in chapter 3. The first one he says is, Who am I? Like, God, surely you can find someone better than me. I'm just, I'm nobody. I was the prince of Egypt. Now I'm a lowly shepherd, just leading sheep. That's all that I do. I'm not respected by my own people, and I'm surely not respected by the people in Egypt. God says, no, you've got this wrong, Moses. It's not what you're going to do. It's what I'm going to do through you. It's me, not you. You're just the messenger. I've got all this thing planned out. I'm going to tell you exactly how it goes. You just have to be willing to do this, all right? Second question Moses has, a legitimate question, who are you? Like when I go there, God, who am I going to tell them sent me? I can't tell them it was the burning bush that was talking. Who are you? And God responds and he says, I am who I am. I am Yahweh, Moses. I just simply am. And we looked at that last week and we unpacked what that means, the definition of the word I am and Yahweh. And God said, I am omnipotent, I'm omniscient, I'm omnipresent, I am unchangeable, I am eternal, I am incomprehensible in all ways. I am not like you, right, Moses, but, but I'm intimately connected to you. And God says, I am who I am. And that is enough 
for you. And he reminds us that he is the I am, and he wants us to remind, remind us that our name is I am not. All right, so he's getting into this line of questioning, which is to this point, it's been uh, it's been investigative line. So it's, it's okay. God's cool with it. It's he's asking some fair questions. God gives some great responses to his questions. But now we take a turn today in in this passage uh, where Moses uh, he's been equipped at this point. He's good to go. He's, he's, uh, he's been equipped. He's not excused. He's ready to go. But now he has to, uh, his inquiry start to turn into objections. All right? And he starts to be defeated by the enemy of excuses. They get into his head and he starts to say things like, what if they don't believe? I'm not good enough. I don't speak well. I don't know enough. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not equipped, God. I can't do this. He starts to get beat up to why he cannot be God's messenger. And that's exactly what we do. We are now God's messengers to the world. Moses is gone. It's us. And we come up with the same excuses that Moses did. And God is clearly going to say to Moses today and us today that you either go or you disobey. You have been equipped. You have not been excused. And he's sending us out with that message. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to Exodus 4, 1 through 17. You guys, uh, some of y'all already are there. And um, we, we're going to be challenged to lay those things down today. So let's, let's pray uh, before we start the reading this morning. Father, we um, love singing your praises this morning. Uh, we love you waking us up to come in and sing the words of the songs. God, we, we, we pray that the hearts of the people in the room were singing those words directly to you, that our worship was honoring of you. Um, Father, we, we pledge to lay down our excuses today at your feet and to receive your word and receive you. We pray that this word today, um, it, that it comforts uh, people that have been disturbed or are disturbed, people that their lives have been disrupted. We pray that it comforts them. God, we pray that your word also uh, disturbs people that are comfortable. That is the divine mystery of your word. It gives us exactly what we need, even if we don't know it. Um, it, it's, it's so sufficient, and we thank you for doing that and giving us your revelation of your word. God, move us all to obedience today, and God, I pray that, that you use me in, in such a way that I speak not from an intellectual position, but, but, but from a heart that is consumed by you and is an overflow of what you've done in my life. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's read in verse 1. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff, God knew. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. 
But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it and he became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Moses has been completely equipped by God to share the message. But we see Moses begins to fight back. Right? And his first, his really his line of questioning is quite ironic because he's saying, what if they don't believe? What if they hear me and they don't believe God? And in his own asking of God that question, he in fact is doing the same thing to God. What if they're not willing to believe me? What if they're not willing to follow when he himself is not willing to listen to God, is not willing to trust in God? He's pushing back. He's ironic. That's what we do when we fight back with God. When we give God excuses, we're ultimately fighting God. We're throwing things up to him. And when we're unwilling to listen to God, we're only unwilling to go. And that's what he's telling. And the cool thing about this is God just goes straight in to the sign. Like he doesn't give Moses this pep game speech. This, this come to me, Moses. Man, you can really do this, Moses. Got, get hyped. You got the power in you, Moses. I know you can do this. You're the man. No, he doesn't do that. Why does he not do that to Moses? Because the power is not in Moses. It's what God is going to do. He's already laid out. He's predestined the exact details of what is going to happen. So the power is not in Moses. He doesn't have to pep him up and, and give him all these gifts and work. He's already given him what he needs to do. He says, the power is in me. And he tells him about the staff. And he throws the staff, this, this, this shepherd sign that they would lead the sheep. Uh, they would protect the sheep. They would fight off uh, threats. Uh, that, that's just a common staff. God knew exactly what it is in his hands. And he tells to Moses to throw it on the ground. All right? And what does Moses do? He runs. All right? So we see, uh, we have this idea of Moses. He's so mighty. He's bold. He's, he's courageous. He's full of faith. And he simply is. Right, But then we see a human side of Moses as he's fleeing from the snake. And we really are revealed that Moses is a lady. All right? He sees a snake and he flees. All right? he's, well, if, if I'm being honest, that's probably what I would do. I'm, I, I hate snakes. I can't stand them. Um, and one thing you've got to know at this church, your pastor will never handle a snake. All right? Not on stage out there. If you see one squirming on the ground, kill it. All right? The Bible says we should kill fear. So you, you help me out with that. You won't have to worry about that. But what really is happening uh, in this passage and his reaction, Moses would later be accused by Pharaoh and the Egyptian court that he was a magician. Right? When he turns this, the cobra, which is probably what it was, is a sign of a cobra. That was the sign of uh, the Egyptian gods and also the sign of Pharaoh. That they would accuse him, oh, you're just a magician. You're like a sorcerer turning that thing in. That's no big deal. Clearly by Moses' reaction to fleeing when he sees the snake, he's no magician. He's no trickster. Um, he, this, is be, this, is, this is something greater going on underneath this. God is giving Moses some signs, some wonders, not only that they would believe, Leave, but God is telling Moses that I am, I told you was last week, I am sovereign, I am sovereign over creatures, right? I'm sovereign over this. They, the, the Pharaoh and the Egyptian court had the cobra, they thought that was, you know, the big sign. God says, I'm controlling all animals, all creatures, I created everything, right? And we see, we will see that play out in the ten plagues. God is clearly sovereign over created things, He calls them by name. 
right? So that's, what, that's what's going on here, not just the mysteries of that. So uh, let's go on to uh, verse 6. Let's pick it up. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe that the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it out on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on dry ground. All right, before Moses can even answer, God's already given him more things to do. Put your hand inside your cloak, pulls it out, and his hand was leprous like snow. Leprosy was a disease that basically once you got it, you kept it. It was incurable. You were distanced away from everyone in society. They didn't want nothing to do with you. And what God is doing, he's not just saying, I got the power to heal. He says, I am sovereign over man, and I'm sovereign over diseases in this world. As you see, I am that God, Moses. I've told you, now I'm giving you these signs so that they may believe. And I'm the power over disease. And he says, if you don't believe that, then believe. Here's another one. Take some water from the Nile. The Nile was uh, considered in Egypt the life giver, the river of life. It gave life to the, to the land of Egypt. And God says, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground. I'm going to turn it into blood. This is a foreshadowing of what he would do with one of the plagues. And he turns the Nile into blood. And they worship the water. Egypt worshiping the water of the creation. God says, I created that. And I'm going to turn it into blood. I am sovereign over creation. Created things in the world I hold in my hand. So God is not only showing these miraculous signs and wonders just to prove and convince himself to the people of Israel. But he's saying, I am I told you I am all these things. Now I'm showing you. I'm giving you signs and wonders that I am who I said that I am. All right? Uh, so here's, here's what he's kind of laid out. He's, he's given a summary uh, to, to Moses in these three things. He says, I am. I'm sovereign over your doubt, over man, over disease, over creation, over created things. Anything you could imagine, Moses, I got it all this. I'm sovereign over all of these things. You don't have to worry about it. I got this. Now, here's what I want you to know. Moses' kickback was, what if they don't believe? All right? Who, is, who are we talking about in this passage? Who is Moses uh, going to go to and try to convince? In this part of the text, who is he trying to speak to to convince that God is really who God says he is and Moses is really who he is? And he's the messenger. Look in verse 5 because it tells us. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Who is he talking about? Who is they? It's the people of Israel. Many times we read this story and we're like, okay, Moses is going to Egypt and be around all the people. And all these signs and these wonders are to convince everybody of who God is and to make everyone believe. But that is not who God is trying to reach. He only gives the signs, the wonders, the message. It's only for the people of Israel. So Moses goes to Israel to share the message of God, the wonders of God, the miracles of God. 
And we we have two distinct responses. Same messenger, same message. Same wonders, same signs, same miracles. Two distinct responses. The people of God believe. The people that are not from God, they do not believe. It is important to know the revelation that God is the one, the supernatural work of God and the Holy Spirit generates belief in the human heart. He had said, these are the ones that are going to believe Moses. This message is for them, not for them. He didn't roll the dice and say, well, I hope he convinced all of them. It's strictly for the people of God to believe that no human heart, mind, spirit, no supernatural work, no miracle, no wonder can generate or manufacture belief. God, the effective work of the Holy Spirit, is the only one that can generate that belief. Here, what we're seeing is another manifestation of the doctrine of election. These people are going to believe it. These people will not. God said it would happen before they even went out in there. All right? So that's the understanding that we can't manufacture belief. When you go share the message of Christ to the world, you don't know who God's people are or not. You don't know. So what do you do as the messenger? You share the message. The gift is not in your words. You are not, uh, no, no wonder in you or no spectacular power is going to generate or manipulate someone into believing. It is the supernatural work of God that's going to do that. And that is an amazing freedom to know that when I go share Christ, when you go share Christ, it's not on you, right? Now you need to share the truth, the gospel, but it's out of your hands. You can't screw it up. Right? It's, it's, it's God and them to produce it, and God will soften and He'll produce belief in the ones that are the people of God. And for those that are not, they will harden their hearts and He will harden their hearts. That's how it happens. That's how salvation happens. You can't manufacture belief. God imprints it and instills it into your mind and to your heart and to your soul, and then you respond. All right, so two distinct people uh, sharing the gospel as we do that. Uh, it's not our business to make the, the message acceptable to people. It's to make it available. All right, it's not our job to, to make them like it. It's to see that they get it. That's it. Hands off, man. That's a, that's a cool freedom to know that all you got to do is go share. Moses, go. Therefore, just go do it, man. Don't worry about anything else. Let's pick up the passage in verse 10. He says, but Moses said to the Lord, not still pushing back, all right? Got these signs, wonder he's still pushing back. Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Don't blow past that. The way you're born into this world, the way that children are born, they're exactly the way that God would have them. He is sovereign over man. It is not I, the Lord. Now, therefore, go. All right? But God's kind of like, man, I've had it, dude. Just go. Go, go, go. I've given you. You've been equipped. You're not excused. Go. And I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall speak. 
All right? So Moses comes with his next excuse. He starts to say, I, I don't speak well. I'm slow of speech. I can't really talk good. Uh, uh, the opinions vary on this uh, uh, comprehension of this text. Some would say that he had a stuttering problem, um, had a lisp, had, had a, just some kind of speech impediment. Um, others would say that he um, had not been in Egypt for 40 years and he could not speak the language of Egypt like he used to. Um, to speak, to stand before Egypt and their courts, someone had to be a very good speaker, right? They were very, very skilled um, orators and, and that he would have to be that to, to be able to speak. And God said, I made your mouth, man. I, I, I did it. It's my mouth. I made it on you. Don't you think I know this? He's saying, I don't care about your speech. I don't care about how gifted you are in front of people. Go. God was looking for Moses' obedience. All right? The obedience is ours. The result is God's. It's all he wanted from Moses. Just go. I made your mouth. Stop coming up with these excuses over and over and over again. And that's exactly what we do. Right? We, we, we are now God's messengers to the world. Moses is gone. We are God's mouthpiece to the world. We are commissioned out through Jesus Christ. And we say, I don't speak well. I don't stand in front of other people. My, my voice sounds really bad. You don't want to hear my voice. Right? I'm not, I'm not a, I didn't take speech in high school or college. I can't get up in front of people. I, I, I talk funny. I've got a speech impediment. Whatever it is, we come up with excuses, excuses, excuses as to why we can't speak to people about Christ. I often share and remind that five years ago, I sat in your seat literally, not figuratively, literally, and watch the pastor speak to people about Christ and gospel and, not, and, and never in a million years would I ever think that I would ever get up in front and talk in front of anybody. Excuses. I don't know enough about the Bible. I, I, I could never share any, I don't even know passage. I can't recite uh, scripture. I can't get in front of people. I would get up there and start, man, getting dry mouth and nervous. I don't want to stand in front of people. That's me all the way right here. God didn't, he wasn't looking for my skills as an orator. He says, would you just stop making excuses and just go? That is exactly what God's telling you to do as today's messengers of the good news of Jesus Christ. Just go. He's only looking for your obedience. The results are his. Here's what we also do. One of the pushbacks we give in sharing Christ is we say, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. Right? I, I can't share scripture with people and then you just stop right there. I can't lead a small group in kids' ministry. Those kids teach lessons about uh, Daniel in the lion's den and Samson. I can't lead. I don't even know those stories. I can't lead a small group in student ministry. Those kids might know more than me. I just don't know enough and I'm content right there. And you stop and you put up a wall. I don't know enough. Let me tell you what that's called. It's called disobedience. Some would call it willful ignorance. That's all I know, and I'm not pursuing to know anything else. I don't want to keep knowing. I don't want to study. I don't want to grow. I'm content with being ignorant about the things of God. And there's no excuse. You need to be actively engaged in pursuing and studying the God of the Bible. So you can be equipped to go share those things. If you're engaged in that active pursuit, praise God. But you cannot stop and be content with not knowing. It's the most important thing that God told you to go do. It's his last words. And simply with an excuse of, 
I don't know enough won't hold weight. It won't hold weight at the judgment seat. Man, how many regrets will we have standing before God? I didn't know enough. Well, did you do anything about that? No, I just used that as my excuse my whole life. God's not looking for your excuses. He wants your obedience to step out. Let's keep going because God has continually repeated to Moses, you've been equipped. You're not excused, Moses, but he keeps fighting. He's not done yet. He's got one more in him left. And really, he gets to the root of the thing. In 13, he says this. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Let me translate that in the most current English language. Oh, my Lord, would you send somebody else? Please, not me, God. Please, that gets to the root of the whole, whole thing. Not me, send someone else. And he says this, Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Now here's what I want you to know. Some uh, commentators would say that the nostrils of God flared. Um, Moses must have picked up or depicted some kind of change in tone of God's voice. He knew he was angered. Here's what's going on here. God needed Moses' willing submission to be commissioned to go on this thing. He wasn't looking for Moses' begrudging submission. All right, I'll go, God. You beat me up enough. I'll go share your message. I'll free your people. He wanted his willing submission. That's why he's showing grace and mercy and patience all the way through with Moses. Now, we hold the sovereignty of God very high at our church. You guys know we talk about that all the time. This passage brings in the responsibility of man. God needed Moses to respond, to stop fighting. He didn't want Moses, and he doesn't want us to be these God-bots that walk around all the time and put our head down and function and just kind of robotic all through our lives. He wants our willing submission, our loving submission coming to him to be commissioned to go. All right? He doesn't want your begrudging submission. So he's, he's changing this language, and here's what he's going to say. Uh, he says this, um, Is there not Aaron your brother? He shows very patience and grace when he could have snapped off Moses' neck right here. Is there not Aaron your brother, the Levite? He knows, obviously, who Aaron is. Uh, I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Look at the, the proclamation God is saying. Future events, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand the staff with which you shall do the signs. Man, he's finally got to the point. He, he, the real thing that's kind of going on. He, he wanted to, he says, here's Aaron. He's a Levite. They speak well. I will tell you what to do, Moses. And then you can go share it with Aaron. And Aaron will speak to the people. He will be a mouthpiece to the people like you were a mouthpiece for me. Um, and God shows an incredible patience and grace and mercy with Moses. What, happen, what happens here is that God has put this irresistible call on Moses' life. And there was no plan B. It wasn't, if Moses doesn't do this, i got to figure something else out. God pursues Moses. He pursues all of his people with this ferocious pursuit, and he's not letting go until you respond. 
That's a passionate love that God has for his people. He didn't let go. No matter how much we push away, run away, give excuses, God is pursuing us the whole time. And he never lets go. It's called irresistible calling, irresistible grace, irresistible effective calling. We cannot deny how good God is. And we may fight him for a while. We may give excuses. His pursuit is irresistible as it was with Moses, just like that. As we've continued to, uh, man, all pointing through this Jesus, now here's the deal. If you believe, if you're a follower of Jesus, or if you believe today that God himself manifests in the person of Jesus Christ, the God that spoke to Moses in the burning bush, put on revelation of Jesus Christ in the flesh, God incarnate, to come down to dwell, to live, to touch, to speak, to eat, to fellowship and walk with you and me, came to you, drew you close, called you out, you believed, you responded, and then God said, you are now my messengers to the world. If you believe that God, that Jesus in fact is God, then he's commissioned you. You have been spoken to in the burning bush by God himself. You don't need a moment of, I need you to knock me down, God, like, like Moses. I need you to show up in a big way if you're real. He already has in the person of Jesus Christ. And he spoke to you, and he commissioned you with the great commission. His last words. This is, you're the messenger now. Moses is gone. You are the messenger to call to lead his people who are, who are captive in sin and slavery to it to a greater exodus to Jesus Christ. You're the messenger. He's pulled you in. He's called you. And he says these words to you. Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission. We know this. Go therefore. Sounds familiar, right? Go therefore. You've been equipped. You've not been excused. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Final words of Jesus. You've got nothing else to do but to save souls. That's the work that he's called you to. All right? Therefore, spend and be spent doing this. This is it. This is the big thing right here. Not live happy Christian lives and arrive at heaven safely. He says, go make disciples. This is what he told you in the burning bush. How are you executing the Great Commission? How are you executing the last words of Jesus to you? How's that plan working out in your life? You see, we've been equipped like Moses. God said, I will be with you. I will teach you what to say. Here's the plan. I'm going to make the people believe who I want to believe, and the others will not. And he's equipped us, and he says, I am with you to the end of age. He gives us the Holy Spirit, the helper, to dwell in us, to give us the things to say, to be bold, to not fear. Jesus says, I will never leave you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. He says, you have been equipped. You are not excused from Matthew 28, 19. There's nothing you can insert here if you're a follower of Christ that passes with God. Nothing. 
And like Moses, we do the same thing. We fire back excuses. We do it all the time. Not knowledgeable enough, God. I can't make a disciple. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to share a, a scripture. I don't know enough. I, 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 I just can't do that. I can't be bold enough like that. God says, you have been equipped. If you've experienced Christ, you have been equipped. And you are not excused from the Great Commission. Man, some of you come up with other excuses in different areas for different things. I want to start serving a church. Man, but surely, maybe y'all have enough people down there already. You don't really need me. You're not talking to me today. You're talking to somebody else. I, don't, I, I can't really help them out. I don't know enough of the Bible. I can't surely step in. I like my weekends, right? I like to go hang out at the beach, the lake, and fish, and camp. I, I can't do that. Can't do that. God says, you've been equipped. You've not been excused. Some of us, in their response to God and the Great Commission, I'm too busy, right? I'm busy working. I'm busy with the kids. I'm busy with hobbies. I'm busy. We, we infect our lives with the busyness, the enemy of busyness. I want to look all busy doing a lot of things that have no eternal value at all. It's a great quote by Francis Chan. It says, the biggest fear is not the fear of failure, but in succeeding at things in life that don't matter. Busyness. God says, you've not been excused. You are equipped. Man, others might just manifest itself through, uh, how, how about this one? I, I, they, they won't believe me. I don't want to offend anybody with my beliefs. The work office environment's pretty calm. I don't want to disrupt anything. I don't want to offend anyone. And you jump into what the world tells you. You don't just, don't offend anybody. Man, I'll tell you what I want to do. I would rather someone hate me knowing that I shared the truth of the gospel with them than to hear them scream, why didn't you tell me, echoing in eternity. I'll take that hatred all day long. I'll have it. And I pray that you would have that same boldness. Man, Charles Spurgeon's got an incredible quote I want to read to you about this urgency when sharing the gospel Man, it, it, it's only when we, when we, when this go, therefore, this call, it is only when we go and we experience obedience that we are able to defeat the enemy of excuses. That's the only way we're going to defeat it, by just going and trusting in God. Charles Spurgeon says this, If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let, and let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. I mean, I would sense an urgency in that great commission. And I would ask you, how are you doing with that? Each week, uh, we do this response Ask, call people back to do things, and it's incredible. I want to let you know, if it's not you, I want to let you know what happens. People leave here, and they come up, and they, hey, man, I just want to confess something to you I'm really struggling with. 
I want to step out in faith and I want to begin to serve because God's gifted me and and I'm I'm tired of making excuses, right? That's all they were. I'm ready to jump in. I want to get baptized. I want to join the church. I want to serve. I want to do things. And I praise God for them every week. Those cards come back and people come back. Man, I just praise God for it. And I do. But I also cannot help but wonder how many people walk out each week through those doors defeated by the enemy of excuses, carrying the burdens. I'll do it later. There's no urgency. I'll catch them next week. I'll serve next summer, the next season. I'll get baptized in six months when my family comes in town. I'll give my life to Jesus when I have enough information about him. You don't need more information. You need the gospel, and you either reject God or you accept him. That's it. And we come up with excuses all the time, and my heart breaks for people that walk out with those. So today, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, The guys are going to come up, and and, uh, we're going to lead a song out of here and do nothing but respond in this first song that we're going to do here. And, and, and I want to challenge you to where you're at. What have been the excuses that you've been serving up to God? To a holy God, what are your excuses? Do they hold weight? When you stand at judgment and God asks you and you give an account, will they hold weight? As I mentioned to you early, we've got baptism Sunday coming up next Sunday. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Hang on to that always. Right? Maybe you've been delaying the process of baptism, the proclamation publicly, and you've been making excuses. I don't want to get up in front of people. I don't like the lights. I don't like the water. My family's not in town. Lay your excuses down today. Maybe it's joining the church, and your excuse is, I've been hurt by the church in the past. I'll echo this. I've always said it. You weren't hurt by the church. God's church never hurts people. You were hurt by people in the church. All right? God still calls you to be a community of a faith family of believers. And sometimes we do that to each other. But we forgive, we show grace because we've experienced grace. And maybe God's called you to this church family to commit. Stop attending and commit and come into it. Jesus tells a parable of a great banquet, inviting people to this great banquet, which is the kingdom of God. And he hears excuses from all these people why they won't come to Jesus. I'm busy. I've got a family. I've got work to do. I'll do it later. I don't know enough about Jesus to give my life. Maybe that's you today. Jesus says, you will not experience and you will not taste the food at my banquet. And he has extended this free gift, this offering of salvation to you today. And you've been making excuses why you won't do it. And I pray today specifically for you, as well as the other believers in the room, that you would lay those excuses down at the feet of Jesus today. Because there's no excuse that's good. You can't justify it in your own mind. We pray that you would receive the gift of salvation through Christ today. Guys are going to come out, and we're going to lead out of here. Let's pray before we start our response. Father, we love you so much. 
You're an incredible, incredible God. And searching to know you more, reading about you in the story of Exodus, it's not just a story. It's not just a burning bush. It's not just signs and wonders. It's God, it's you telling your story about how great you are. That you're the author of life, you're the author of history. And God, you've invited us in to it, to be a part of it, to be messengers for the gospel. I pray we hold firm to that, that we never veer away from the most important words that you spoke to us in the burning bush and your great commission to go make disciples. We love you. We lay them down at your feet today because you are worthy of our praise. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.